This is the Moira Pentecostal Church podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. Because the last time I was here must have been at least five years ago, and um, I don't think she's here tonight. There was a, yeah, I shared this with the ladies yesterday, a word for me, and I always take those things with a grain of salt. You don't know if it's from the Lord or not, but she came with such grace and such humility that I, I listened very intently. She said, the Lord has spoken to me concerning you. She didn't know anything about my personal life, and of course, in those days, I was single, a single mother of four, and she said, the Lord has told me, this can make me cry, I haven't even started to minister yet, I'm like, um, she said, that, uh, the Lord says that your husband is coming from a land that's far away, but don't be afraid. He will make a way. And she said he's confirmed it in his word, Genesis 36, 6. And she opened the Bible. And here's the story of Jacob and Esau. And there was this moment where the two brothers, their flocks had grown too numerous, and they had to part ways. And the one took all of their things and they made servants and men servants and traveled to a land that was far away she looked into my eyes she said your husband's coming from a place that's far away don't be afraid and I guess it was five years later I married a man that came from a place that was far away and uh, we actually uh, that word gave me confidence because I married him by faith knowing that we couldn't even actually live together for three years because he was serving in the Air Force at that time and was living out in the west part of the United States and it was impossible for us to be together. But um, uh, because of a word that came from Moira, <laughs> Northern Ireland, I believed uh, that we were to trust God. And so we got married and he retired from the Air Force and bought a house in Michigan. Now we have a small farm. And as I told the ladies yesterday, seven chickens, a horse, two dogs, four, seven children between us and six grandchildren. And so, and, uh, and it's a fantastic um, thing that the Lord has done because he prepared my husband's Mark, Mark's heart for me and me for him at exactly the right moment. And um, he's from uh, Alabama, the very, very deep south. And so in, I can make fun of him because he's not here tonight. So if you think my accent is American, this is really American, he would say, um, he would say, Jean, I'm more called to your ministry than you are. <laughs> so, and he also said when we were um, dating and getting to know each other, he says, well, he says, you know, if God made the sun rise this morning, it's going to make it set again tonight. He says, if, I, if God wants us together, I think he could figure it out. <laughs> and then he said, and God, he's the Lord of Delta. United and American Airlines. <laughs> there we go. So we paid the airlines a lot of money for for three years. But you know what? Um, you know, isn't that amazing? And I didn't remember the word until I was here yesterday. And I thought, oh my goodness, I'm married to the man, and there was a word of knowledge in this place. And you know, we just rejoiced as that woman. Um, there was something distinctive about her. I don't remember her name. You guys know who she is. I remembered that she had an accent. She was from South America. Marcia, and she came to see me yesterday, tears streaming down her face. She said, I was the one. 
and we had a picture made together. And, you know, what an encouragement to know that that word she sowed into my life was God's word. And I knew she didn't want to give it because she was afraid that she was wrong. But, you know, it's just an encouragement to all of us to just step out and take that step of faith. Even if you're not sure, you feel that little prompting of the Holy Spirit to just act um, and just do it. Just be obedient. You don't know. You know, and the worst thing that could happen is, is that it, it won't happen and that we'll be a little bit embarrassed. But so what if our feelings are hurt? The, the best thing that could happen is it could change someone's life. And, and I shared on the, I called my husband in the hotel last night. I said, I saw the woman that gave the word about you, gave us confidence in how we rejoice together. And um, to have the picture of her and have the story come around. And so thank you so much for being part of a happy ending or a very happy beginning. And Mark sends his greetings. Um, he's working tonight. He's also a pastor and a chaplain now working in a hospital and in a retirement center. So at this hour, what time is it? Let's see. Uh, it's 2 o'clock in the United States? Wait. Yeah. So he just right now started um, preaching at the retirement center. So let's just pray for him right now. Lord, we just lift up Mark, who's ministering to the old folks, and he has a ministry to the elderly and, and those uh, who, are, who are late in years, and that he, he feels such compassion for those who are coming close to death, God. And we just pray for power and anointing to come out of his mouth and that you'd speak life into every ear that needs it. Will you open their ears to hear your word as it comes out of his mouth? Just encourage him in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, and the Lord has a word for you tonight. It's not an accident that I'm here. I won't even explain how I got here. It's too much of a long and has to do with a wedding in Indiana. <laughs> so it's funny how God makes these connections. But I'm here and you're here and the Holy Spirit's here. So let's just pray that he speaks to everyone with a tongue of fire. Holy F Lord, I just thank you, God, that you love all of us the same, not one more than another. And just as you sought me out and you gave me that precious word in this place, Lord, I just thank you that you're not a respecter of persons and you have a precious word for each one in this room. And would you speak it, God, either into their heart directly or through me or through a prayer minister or, or a pastor? Would you speak your word and would you give us ears to hear? In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Okay. I think I was out of me messed up. Here we go. You can all hum along.
my feet. And those of you in the front could see me tapping it with my foot occasionally. And so the blue box is recording the violin. And so I'm playing the tracks and it's recording me over and over and building the sound. And that, so I take...
and your nation who um, heard one of the songs on an album that I'm recording at the moment. It's actually finished. It's in production right now and it should actually arrive at my house before I do from this trip, so I'm super excited. And one of the songs that I wanted to do was, um, it has different names, so I don't know how you call it, the prayer of St. Patrick, St. Patrick, the hymn of St. Patrick, St. Patrick's Breastplate, the Lorica has a million names. You know what I'm talking about, right? You know it better than I do. Um, and so someone uh, wrote me uh, a note. I keep spilling things. Um, sent me a letter, knew I was doing a battle going on. And he says, I see a, you know, two warriors dressed in medieval armor and they're, they're fighting it out and there's a small child sitting in the, on the ground right in between them, totally unaware that there's a battle happening above him. And I thought, God's revealing something to this man just blowing my mind. And then he says, well, I have some friends. They happen to be sword fighters on the, the, the TV show, The Game of Thrones, and which I've never watched, but I know that people do watch it. And so he says, I, I'll just, I'd be happy to hire some sword fighters for you and a costume designer and a set designer. And, and we could use some of the filming sites of Game of Thrones. We could go to some of the castles in the area and, and, um, and film this for real. Let's do a battle scene. And then, um, and then at the end of the the battle, the, the warrior, uh, one of the warriors is defeated, and the one who represents Christ picks up the child and takes the child in a boat that we, we actually had the, a boat made for this little film designed to look like it's from medieval times, and tomorrow we'll be filming at uh, some place near Carrickfergus, I don't know, there's a reservoir, there's water, uh, yeah, there's a lake or something. 
we're meeting him tomorrow morning, so be praying for us. So anyway, I'm not going to do St. Patrick's um, prayer tonight because I'm not prepared, but would you like to hear another track from the new album? This is also very Irish. The hymn is called I Heard the Voice of Jesus Say, but the tune you will recognize as, it's an Irish, and it's, wait a minute, it'll come to me. It's an Irish folk tune. Oh, it's about a woman. It's one of those bar songs that's about a woman. Can't even think of it now. Well, listen to the tune, see if you recognize it. How about that?
the kingdom of God that's expressed through my life. And um, those of you who know me know that I'm, I was born in eastern Pennsylvania, the eastern part of the United States. And in America, different areas were settled by different people groups. So Pennsylvania was not settled by the Irish. It was settled um, mostly by uh, the German people where I grew up. It was very, very German, and so I grew up eating a lot of noodles and potatoes. Well, you eat potatoes too, but all this German stuff, my family background is very much German, although for Christmas last year, my husband bought one of those DNA tests, and I did discover I think I'm 13% Irish, so hallelujah. Woo! So, and... Um, 1% Ashkenazi Jew, which was interesting. So got a little Jew in there. Um, but anyway, mostly German. And so you would think that because that's what my heritage is, that that's where my heart would be. But um, things don't often make sense in the kingdom of God. When he places callings on people's lives, very often the calling won't make sense in a natural way. That's why you have an American lady sitting over there who feels called to this church. And, and God just kind of, he, he has a way of speaking in a way that makes his voice stand out that we know it's got to be God because it doesn't make any earthly sense. And those of you who know this book of the Bible, it's filled with stories that don't make any earthly sense. Isn't that right? You have 100-year-old women having babies. You have the Virgin Mary bearing the, the Son of God. You have the Red Sea parting and men walking through. I mean, it's, it's one crazy story after another. You have dry bones call it, uh, call, coming to life in the book of Ezekiel. And on and on and on and on. And why does it happen? Because God is announcing his presence. And for him to make himself known, he's got to be distinctive. He, he, it's the, he, he's, a, he's a, in America, we'd say bling, you know. He's got that sparkle in that bling that stands out and says, you look at it and you say, that's got to be God. That's, that doesn't make sense. It's miraculous. It's the mark of heaven coming to earth is when he does these things that don't make sense. And so here's a young girl in Pennsylvania and uh, growing up in a German home thinking about Ireland. And as soon as I knew what Ireland was, I was fascinated with it and enamored and making pictures of it and reading stories about you. And so when I was in ninth grade, I wrote, a, I did a research project about Ireland and uh, drew a map, learned where all the cities and the counties were. And, and uh, I didn't, I did, I got a B plus on the project, which is kind of okay. So I threw that part away, but I saved the cover and uh, I didn't bring it with me tonight, but I do still have this piece of art that I made as a child. And, uh, and of course, I, I carried it around with me for years because it was a dream that was in me to um, come to this land. And also um, England, Ireland, Scotland, and Wales, the whole United Kingdom and Ireland was what was on my heart. And, um, and then those of you who know my testimony know that I went to music school to study violin. Um, I got married and I followed a path for my life that wasn't God's will. I didn't follow the Lord in those early years. And because I wasn't following God's plan, the dream that he had for me was not, um, you know, I missed the destiny and calling and I found myself many years later uh, not 
uh, being used for God's kingdom at all and actually not playing music at all. I had laid music down completely and was in a place where I was just struggling to survive physically and emotionally. Um, I had moved around the country several times and ended up in Michigan and became a single mother of four children, which was not something I ever planned or expected. So life was now about survival and feeding kids and paying the electric bill. And I was in a very sad place in life, lying on the bed one night and uh, feeling very hopeless because I knew when we're not walking in the place that God wants us to be walking, uh, we can't experience his joy and there's no fulfillment, there's no contentment. And many of you know what I'm talking about. As there was, there, there was that desperate sense of what a tremendous waste. You know, what if I was to die and my life would never change? It would just keep going like this. And, and I remembered uh, the dream about coming to this place and it made me so sad. It's like I've missed it. I've just missed it. And so I saw the Bible by the side of my bed and I just flipped it open. And I happened to turn to Psalm 116, verse 4, which says, Oh God, save me. And I prayed that prayer. And after that prayer, things began to suddenly change. Um, the, the phone rang, and I picked up the phone, and there was a man on the other end that asked what my name was and if I played the violin. And my name was Gene Watson, and, and I said, well, yeah, my name's Gene Watson. And I'm thinking, I don't play the violin anymore, so how does anybody know that? Well, God knew. And uh, he said that he was the concertmaster of the symphony and that he had been in a restaurant just the night before and heard someone speaking about a violinist that had moved to Michigan named Gene Watson that was highly skilled. He asked if it was me. And I said, well, it could possibly, probably, be, you know, chances are pretty good since that's... And he had gone through the phone book calling all the Watsons till he found one that played the violin. And that's a lot of Watsons. So he found me, God found me, God heard my prayer. Um, that year I began playing violin again professionally, and I wondered if the Lord had uh, orchestrated all of that for me, no pun in intended, orchestrated. Um, and then that Christmas, my landlord accidentally heard me singing Christmas carols on a recording I'd made for a friend, and he was very moved by the sound of my voice and convinced that this was God's plan for my life. And that landlord gave me my rent money back and said, I think you should record your voice. And so I made a recording with my rent money and uh, gave it away to anyone who would listen. Then I made another recording and another recording. And eventually um, the sound of my music was heard on this side of the ocean. And I received an invitation to tour England for the first time. I don't remember the year. Abby, you might have been at one of those first. I have some friends visiting from England who can testify that all of these lies are in effect <laughs> not true. <laughs> all of these things are in fact not true. No, um, it's been many years of... Uh, uh, Abby sitting in the front row was at one of my first ministry tours, I think she was, I don't remember what year, but it was quite a while, at least 10 years since. So I went to England and I started uh, just bringing my violin and playing musical concerts and in the middle of the events, strange things started happening. Abby saw some of this. Um, we saw people be physically healed. We saw a girl who was almost completely deaf 
um, her ears be opened in the middle of the meeting. Uh, we saw people spontaneously saved. Uh, you know, no one even offered them an invitation, just filled with the power of God um, saying, I believe, I believe, I believe. I've been an atheist my whole life, and I don't know what just happened. A sp spontaneous uh, combustion in the heart and, a, and the Lord moving. And we saw the Holy Spirit doing these things in the meeting and uh, in the meetings. And I realized this is what God planned all along. This is what he designed me for. It had nothing to do with me entertaining people with my violin or my voice. These were just vehicles and vessels that he was filling with his spirit um, so that he could send me out and, and, and bring the spirit of God and bring the word of God uh, wherever he would take me. And so I went back to England many times on the weekends, eventually got into Scotland. I finally met, actually it was Abby's pastor in Bradford, Sammy Miller, and... Um, Abby goes, it's funny that she'd be here tonight because she went to the pastor and said, Jean really, 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 really wants to go to Ireland. Can you help her? And so he's, he, I don't know what he thought. He says, okay, fine. I'll call my sister. So he calls, and calls his sister um, who lives in Northern Ireland and says, I got this woman, she, American lady, she thinks she's called to Ireland. Can you can you help her get in? And uh, this lady, actually Irene was with me here at one of the meetings years ago. Irene says, all right, Sammy, the Lord's already told me that uh, the Lord, that he's bringing a woman in from the outside. Maybe she's the one. And uh, sure enough, I landed in Belfast uh, the, shortly thereafter, and uh, she set up meetings for me in Northern Ireland, and the same thing happened. The Holy Spirit came wherever I went. Had nothing to do with me. In fact, one of the meetings, I walked in, I don't remember where it was, in Belfast area, I walked into the meeting, and people were just already hit with the Holy Spirit, and I hadn't even done anything. And I wanted to say, oh, wait, wait, stop, you haven't heard my best song yet. Wait, I, I haven't even, wait, don't you want to hear me play music and they were already hit by the Holy Spirit they've forgotten about me you know God had already come and and a lady came up to me and she was laughing she said the funniest thing is Jean you have no idea what's going on you know because it just it made no sense until I, I saw the fruit coming from it um, so I ministered in Northern Ireland for two or three years Eventually, the door opened into the south, and I've been working down in the south quite a bit in recent years. I have a, a radio devotional show on UCB Ireland, so if anybody listens to UCB, you can find me on there. I think it's at late, late at night. And uh, the Lord is just um, exploding in the north and the south of Ireland, and I, I just love to encourage you while I'm here because I'm like um, someone looking in from the outside. I'm an outsider. And I can, I, I can share with you the love of God that I see um, that the Lord has for you and also the way I see the people responding because I travel all over the land. And I just think that this is an absolutely marvelous time in your history. And I know that there, there are troubled times politically and there's so much going on, um, you know, in, in a political sense, but in a spiritual sense, um, it's an absolutely marvelous time because you have a generation of young people aged 30 and under who are hungry for the Spirit of God, and they're unchurched. They have never been read the Bible, and, and they're, they're disillusioned with religion. They're tired of religion, 
Um, they're tired of the political battles going on, but they're very hungry for truth. And so there's a wide open door in, in the hearts uh, of your people is what I'm finding. And I've had uh, prayer meetings similar to this that have gone on till one or two o'clock in the morning the next day. This won't be one of them, I guarantee, because I have got to be bright. I've got to be bushy tailed and bright in the morning, but um, unless the Lord wants to do that. But um, I just find that your nation is very hungry for God right now, and I'm excited for you. What I see in you from across the ocean is, is fields that are white with the harvest. I, I see so much hope in your land, and, and I see um, just a right timing. And I just want to encourage you um, to just let the Lord's light shine through you and be bold, um, because time is short. And, uh, and, and God is saying, this is the time, so, so just go for it. And, but I'm very happy to be here because, as you can now see, this, I feel like, is the land of my destiny. And so for me to be standing in my destiny is a very joyful thing because I know what it took to get me here. And I want to tell you that the road to my destiny was one of a very simple word, and it's called pain. And that might not make any sense to some of you, um, but it's really true. It was a long and it was a painful journey. And, and at times it still is a painful and a lonely journey. And, um, you know, Christ talked about that, that the road would be narrow and um, the way wouldn't always be easy. But I want, I feel like the word that the Lord has for you tonight, and that he spoke this very clearly to me before the meeting, is to encourage you in your pain that uh, not to grow weary or discouraged because in Christ, um, when we give that pain to the Lord, that suffering, it can produce something. In fact, it's absolutely vital to bring you to the land of your destiny and the place of your dreams that he's called you to. There's no other way to get there. There's no shortcut. There really is not. And, and the other wonderful thing is that in Christ, we are no longer afraid of suffering. And I know you're hearing me talk about suffering, and it's like, oh, well, this is depressing. This is a message that if I want to follow Jesus, it's going to hurt. And No, I'm not telling you that. I'm telling you that if there's a pulse in your body right now, if your heart is beating, there's going to be pain in this world, is there not? We've all got it. We've all got burdens in this world. And the beautiful thing, that as believers in Christ, that there's joy and that suffering, because we know it's not wasted, that God is, in fact, producing something. I was just looking at um, the book of James, chapter 1, uh, where James says, My brethren, count it all, what? Joy. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have it perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. James says, count it all joy. Do we really hear what he's saying? He's saying, I mean, if James was standing here, and I don't know what James looked like, he wouldn't be speaking the way I'm speaking. He'd be going, guys, you don't get it. You should be so excited. Oops. If, is anybody going through a trial? Oh, good. I'm so glad. Get joyful. Get excited. And you're thinking, boy, this lady is just mental. What's wrong with her? But I'm not making this stuff up. You see, Jesus made it up. In John 15, 16, and 17, Jesus says three times he prays to the Father that the people he was praying for would know his joy. He doesn't pray for your salvation. He doesn't pray that you'd be strong. 
He doesn't pray that you wouldn't fall away. He prays that you would know his joy. And let me remind you that after he speaks those words, where is he going to go? He's going to be beaten to a bloody pulp and hung on a cross. And what does he pray? He says, but Father, I just want them to know my joy. This is crazy, but this is the gospel. And I want to just encourage you. I want to change your thinking about suffering tonight. You don't have to be afraid of it. You really don't because, yes, there's going to be pain in this world, but you know what the difference is between those of us who know Jesus and those of us who don't is that we can go through suffering with him, that we're not alone, that we can have his presence, we can have his comfort, and we can have his power. And this is the most amazing part that we need to be reminded of is that we can have his purpose and his transformation through suffering. And there's no other way, my friends. Do you remember the story of Joseph in the Old Testament? And he has those dreams about his destiny in um, the book of Genesis. And the Lord shows him that he's going to rule and reign one day. And he doesn't understand, but he knows it's a good thing, right? And then what's the very next thing that happens to Joseph? He's thrown into a pit. And then he gets sold by his own brothers into slavery. It's like, what kind of a God would let that happen? That's just cruel. And then Joseph goes on this long journey of pain and suffering and trial and difficulty. And, and he cries out to God for relief. And there's no relief. And there's no relief. And it gets worse. And he's falsely accused. And he's thrown into the dungeon. And what the word tells us that he stayed true to his God. And that in the end... That suffering was producing perseverance inside of Joseph and a faithfulness and a heart that wouldn't be moved. And at just the right time, Joseph is called out of the dungeon right from the pit, right from the lowest place he could possibly be, to the palace, ruling and second in command and eventually saving his own people. But do you see how necessary that journey was in Joseph's life? Joseph was of... Um, very wealthy blood and he was the favored son of his father and I'm just going to take some biblical liberty and say Joseph was probably a little spoiled his daddy loved him the mostest and he had his little fancy rainbow coat and he thought he was pretty cute and God's saying okay he's not ready for the destiny I've got for him and it's not that God causes the suffering, but the Lord is the master redeemer who uses everything that the devil will throw against you. And he turns in and he says, well, thank you very much, Satan. This is a marvelous tool I can use to shape this person into my image. And all of these things get used for good in our lives so that the Lord can shape you and you and you and you into a vessel that's prepared to carry his glory, to do something amazing, to change the world. And as human beings, we resist suffering and we want to get out of it because we don't like pain. I don't like it either. But in my own life, I wouldn't be standing here if I hadn't walked a difficult road. That most of it, quite honestly, was caused by myself, caused my own pain. And yet God even uses that kind of pain. Did you know that there's no mistake that's greater than God's faithfulness? Isn't that wonderful? And we can take all of our mistakes and all of the regrets of the past and all of the terrible things that we've suffered and gone through that very often were not fair. And when we place them in God's hands, they're tools to get us to our destiny faster. And when the trials come, we can say, praise God, he's getting me there faster. Praise God, as not that we look for trouble, but when trouble comes, 
we can rejoice knowing that God can use it to produce something that brings life. I want to remind you as I'm um, closing about the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I love the story about how um, their faith was tested and they, removed, they remained faithful. When they were asked to bow to another god, they wouldn't do it. And because of that, King Nebuchadnezzar got very angry at them. And uh, you all know the story about he, he threw them into the burning, fiery furnace. And it says that the, fire, the furnace was exceedingly hot. The flame of the fire killed the men that threw them in the furnace. I'm kind of paraphrasing. And these three men fell down, bound into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar, he was astonished. And he rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. Look, he said, I see four men loose. I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, walking in the midst of the fire, and they're not hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar went near the friary furnace and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, listen, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came from the midst of the fire, and the satraps, administrators, governors, and the counselors gathered together, and they saw that these men on whose bodies the fire, listen, had no power. The fire had no power. The hair of their head was not singed, nor were their garments affected, and the smell of the fire was not on them. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants, who trusted in him. And they've frustrated the king's word and yielded their bodies. They should not serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make a decree that any people, nation, or language which speaks anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces. Nebuchadnezzar's heart was changed because of what he saw happen. The fire had no power to destroy Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I want, to th want us to just think about what happened in this event. It wasn't just about them not being burned. Do you notice how they went inbound? And in the midst of the fire, what happened? They were loosed and they had the presence of God right with them. They were delivered, and then because of their suffering, there was, uh, God was glorified, and other people were saved. And this is what's going to happen as we are faithful to go into the fire that God, whatever God asks us to go into or to remain faithful if we're in a fire, is first of all, friends, we don't need to be afraid because the fire has no power over you. It has no power over you. Isn't that a wonderful word? Ha! Huh. We don't have to be afraid. It's okay. God's going to protect us. God's going to set us free. You know, there's a process going on through, um, through the, the, the sanctification of the Holy Spirit. There's, there's freeing. There's work that he's doing in us to make us more like Christ. Instead of being a negative thing, the fire is burning away anything in us that doesn't look like him. So that when we come out of the fire then it's no longer us that's seen, but it's him. And he can use us to display his glory. Do you see how it's a good thing? It's producing something. And, 
and we can rejoice in the midst of it because God's in there with us. I love to think of, um, imagine this scene, like Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego are down there and, and um, Jesus appears in the fire with them. And they're down there, and they're maybe having a conversation. They're dancing around, and they're, it's like, look, guys, the fire's not even hot. Did you touch that coal over there? That's pretty cool. Shadrach, let me smell you. You don't smell like fire. This is kind of cool. It's in their dance, and they're having a good time, and Nebuchadnezzar calls down, like, hey, guys, you can come out. And Shadrach looks up, and he says, just a few more minutes. We're having a good time in here with Jesus. We'll be right there. You know, and they're just, you know, the fire isn't moving them anymore because the presence of God in the fire is greater to them than the heat. Isn't that awesome? And when the presence of God around you becomes bigger than your fire, then it doesn't matter what happens. There's no fear. Because I've got God in me, I've got God with me, I've got God around me, and, and when he's here, I don't even notice the flames anymore. And Satan, I don't care. Just, I mean, we don't want to tempt Satan and say, you know, we're not want to be stupid about it, but when the trials come, we can be at peace, and we can have joy. Do you know that... Um, uh, Charles Spurgeon once said that there's no greater fellowship with Christ than in the crucible of suffering. Isn't that wonderful? And, and the people that I've known that have gone through the most junk in this world are some of the most beautiful Christians. Um, those who have taken their suffering to the Lord and used it well. And this is where we're going to close. You see, all of us are going to suffer, but um, just because you suffer doesn't make you holy. And lots of people that are suffering that are bitter, that are angry at God, that are angry and bitter at other people, and they die miserable deaths, bearing no fruit in their lives, harming themselves and others. So when we suffer, we have a choice. We can become bitter and close ourselves off, or we can invite the Lord into the fire with us and say, Father, what are you doing? Be glorified in me in the midst of this, and I trust you to bring me through it. Just recently, we went through a fire in our own lives. My um, oldest daughter um, gave birth to a stillborn child. I shared this with the ladies yesterday. And the child was completely healthy. Um, nine months and 12 days, nine months and 10 days. Very healthy baby boy. Nothing wrong with him. No cord around the neck. And um, he died because of a medical error. Um, a mistake that was made in the delivery or lack of delivery of the child. And it was devastating, absolutely devastating. I was coming back from Nashville and expecting to have a healthy grandchild. And of course, we're all ready for, you know, we've got the diapers and the nurseries all prepared. And, and uh, the next day, we're out picking out caskets and planning a funeral. And um, the pain uh, that we suffered in the loss of the child and the pain in watching my daughter deliver a dead child um, was devastating enough. But then there was the pain of having to deal with the fact that it, it didn't need to happen, that um, it was a terrible, tragic accident, and that, that there was fault, that there were people at fault in this death. And, and at first, there's that anger that rises up. It didn't need to happen, and someone needs to pay for this mistake. And I'm angry, and I'm bitter, and I want these people to suffer what we're suffering. This isn't fair. And especially to watch my daughter have to grieve the loss of her child. It's devastating. But God got a hold of me right away and he said, don't go there. He said, trust me. 
Trust me with this timing that I'm going to bring life from this death. Trust me that I allowed it for a purpose. And don't go there. This pain that you're suffering is either going to be used for evil or it's going to be for good, and that's your choice. And so where we're going to close tonight is I want to sing to you from the keyboard, and we're just going to take a moment and offer our pains to the Lord and ask him to be glorified in your pain and ask him to use that pain. Should I take this microphone over there? Um, ask him to use this pain um, to reveal his glory in us and through us. And, and the Lord, as you do that, as you trust God with your pain and you invite God into your pain, I believe that there are those tonight that are going to receive healing in your hearts and healing in minds and even healing in your bodies. Because when we, we respond to suffering in the wrong way, the only ones that get hurt are ourselves and sometimes others. And we can get bound um, when we respond in bitterness rather than trusting God. And um, So I just want to offer a prayer and I'm just praying about how to, uh, how to close. I just feel like if you would like prayer tonight, if you're hurting and you would like someone to pray with you in your pain, um, that God will bring glory from it. Or if you just want to surrender your heart to the Lord at the deeper level, perhaps uh, you're feeling like you've missed your destiny like I did. Let's see if I can get the mic to stay. There we go. And um, you're hearing tonight that it's not too late to have another chance to be used by God, to have your life count for something eternal, to do um, something, to let the Lord do something amazing through your life. That if you were to die tomorrow, you'd be satisfied. You'll know that the purpose that you were born for was accomplished, that it wasn't wasted. There's some here listening to the sound of my voice and they're saying, I feel like I've wasted too much time. It's too late for me. I've lived for my own pleasure or I've made too many mistakes. Or perhaps you're feeling maybe that God passed you, passed you by and you had dreams and desires and they weren't fulfilled. I said at the beginning of the meeting that God would have a word for each one. And so if you need a fresh word from the Lord about your destiny, um, I just want to, um, I don't know how you do things in this place, but I just want you to imagine that the front of the church is an altar and, and just if you feel like you want to, uh, you need a fresh word spoken into your life or you need prayer for healing or you want to offer your pain to the Lord, just invite you to come forward to the throne and um, and um, receive prayer if you'd like prayer or perhaps you just want to come forward and offer your life afresh to him just don't miss this encounter with God Father I just thank you for the glorious work that you're doing in each one tonight thank you Father that you use things like pain to accomplish your work in us. You don't cause it, but you use it to do beautiful things. And I 
I just pray for those who are suffering tonight, Lord, that they'd be encouraged with all hope, knowing that they can experience your presence in the fire. Maybe that's your prayer tonight. It's just that you need God to be in the fire with you. I don't know what you need, but whatever it is, I just invite you to come forward and receive it from the Lord. Jean's playing. Could you just stand quietly, please?
thank you for listening to this podcast. We produce a variety of sermon videos and inspiring Christian content available for free on our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and search Moira Pentecostal or visit our website for more information, www.mpc.org.uk.